Grab onto your liahonas and find your way to the promised land. You're listening to Plygonometry. This is a family podcast where each week I talk to a member of my family and I record it. Most of the time we talk about growing up in polygamy. Sometimes we talk about other stuff. Either way, I hope you enjoy the show while you're doing chores or while you're on your commute or vacuuming or breastfeeding or whatever you're doing while you're listening to the show. And if you are listening to the show and have any sort of questions or things that you missed and you're like, hey, I would like some clarity on this, please. I don't know what's going on. Don't be afraid to reach out to me on social media. You can find Plygonometry on Facebook, Instagram. We also have an email to send all your questions to. Don't even worry. I've heard all the questions. Maybe, maybe surprise me. I don't know. I hope you get them in fast, by the way, because this Friday, February 5th, I'm going to be recording an Ask and You Shall Receive episode with the listener of The Good and Faithful from England. He is going to be asking the questions that get sent into the show, and it's going to be a really good time. And he has an accent, so automatically it's going to be cool to listen to, right? My guest on the show this week is a man whose relationship and proximity to polygamy is definitely unique, to say the least. He offers a really interesting perspective on the whole situation, and I value his opinion along with his humor, his skills in storytelling, and honestly, just how easy he is to talk to, and that just honestly scratches the surface of how awesome this dude is. You're going to love him. Um, we get into a lot of different things this week. We get into how he became a weatherman in the Navy, how he feels about those who speak in tongues, and what actually happens to you when you cross the equator in a boat. And, uh, oh, also in this episode, we have a very special pop-in guest who, and you'll hear this on the episode, but he can't really seem to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that quietly. Um, he is going to be a guest in the future. Hold on to your hats because he's a good one. Um, but anyway, this is one of the, my most favorite episodes that I've recorded so far, and I hope you also enjoy the conversation that I have with my mom's dad's zeroth wife's only son. <laughs> Grandpa was married to your mom before he married my biological grandmother. Yeah, so if we're going to take a look at this from the mathematical formulas of polygonometry, <laughs> yeah. right, then uh, dad had three wives at the same time. Mm -hmm. Before that, he had a wife. That was totally, it was a completely different lifestyle and everything. Completely unaffiliated. So we, could, we could call her his zeroth wife. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That actually works. <laughs> I'll right. actually put that as as the title of, the, of your episode. Uh, My yeah. mom's dad's zeroth wife's oldest son. Only child. Only actually. child. There yeah. we go. So, there we go. There you go. So, yeah, before... <laughs> Before Mormonism, before polygamy, before any of that, he was married to my mom. Mm -hmm. um, they met, you know, they fell in love, they got married, they had me, and, mm -hmm. and things fell apart. They divorced, and there's that. And yeah. so I didn't even know my dad until I was 14. So Grandpa wasn't a part of your life? No. He wanted to be. And your and mom prevented that? She or? prevented that, yeah. Oh, okay. For whatever reason, she thought she was protecting me or whatever. You know how moms can be kind of protective. Sure, sure. It doesn't necessarily make sense to us guys. So that's what that was. So he won a court battle, basically, 
to get his way back into my life. Okay. And I was 14 when that happened, and I was a I was a wreck. Okay. Growing up without a dad. So tell me about that. Figure. So so you so you're born. How how uh, at what point was Grandpa basically like vacated from from your life? I was about a year old, maybe. Okay, so you have basically no memory of no memory of, at all of Grandpa all the way until you're no. basically fourteen. Okay, so growing up without a dad, single mom essentially. Yep. Um, what was that like for you? I was a loner. Okay. I learned how to how to occupy my, myself, you know, and and so forth. I had no siblings, only child. Um, bit awkward socially. Okay. Um, dad talks about his speech impediment. I had it too. Yeah, maybe a little bit different variation of it, but I had it, and it was, it was bad for the confidence, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Difficult time in school. Very yeah. similar, very similar things where uh, uh, my speech impediment kind of got in the way of my learning a little bit. Nowadays, teachers would you know look at a kid like I was, and they'd label them you know Asperger's syndrome or ADHD or whatever whatever title comes to mind. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any of that back in the back in the 70s. Yeah. This is just a kid that can't learn. This is just a bad kid. Yeah, it's just a, a bad kid. He, he he can't learn. And so I grew up with a lot of the same stigmatisms as dad. I could read. Yeah. I could write. I loved to read. Um but my teachers would always say, oh, he's lazy. He doesn't want to apply himself, stuff like that. He's distracted. He's distracted. He's high, high oh, energy. Was, yeah, yeah. They'd, even make me, they'd even make me move my desk. This is grade school. I remember this as late as sixth grade. And so what, Having where, to move my desk out into the hallway <laughs> and sit by myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, <laughs> there, there's probably some teachers listening to this right now that are just like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Education used to be something completely different. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> so so where was this exactly? What what part of the country? This was, was growing up in Seattle. Seattle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. grade school, Seattle, they just sent you out in the hallway with your desk. Yeah. Take your desk out to the hallway. And I, I'd be happy to do that. I mean, like, cool. I, now I can just sit here and draw pictures instead of trying to do my schoolwork because no one's looking over my shoulder, you know? So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was definitely one of those, like... Uh, masked uh, disciplinary actions that didn't actually work. Didn't actually work. Not yeah. a bit. No, okay. no, not a bit. But yeah, so growing up without a dad had its challenges. It definitely did. Mom did the best she could, don't get me wrong, but at a certain age, a boy needs his dad. Yeah, yeah. Or at least a good, strong father figure. Yeah, a Mom, fatherly figure. Yeah, Mom tried Boy Scouts. Okay. Uh, that didn't really work. Didn't land for you. Didn't stick. No, nah, it didn't really stick. Okay. Um, I think I was the oldest second class scout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I advanced very very slowly. Okay. That uh, going up all the way through high school, you know, even even at fourteen, I finally meet my dad and so forth. But by that time, I'm already set in my in my lack of momentum. Okay. And you kind of stuck. <laughs> From what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I, right. I graduated high school late. Okay. I got through high school um, my senior year, and I didn't have enough credits to graduate. So I had to go an extra semester. Super senior. I was a super senior. The superest yeah. of seniors. Yeah. Sweet. So, so, yeah, I mean, I had terrible grade points. I didn't, college, 
who's going to accept me into college with my grades, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I was like, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. Um, who knows? Yeah. Know? So just, just on a rainy day one day in Seattle, it's rainy, it's cold. There's a sign on a window next to the bus stop. A typical Seattle day. Typical Seattle day. <laughs> it was winter. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's a sign on the window next to the bus stop that says free coffee. I'm like, I'm in. There right? you go. So I walk in. It's the Navy recruiting office, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this, so hold on. This is an amazing... I didn't know this about how you got into the Navy. So you joined the Navy because of a bean. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you jump into the free coffee at the Navy recruiting office. I jump office. into the free coffee, right? It's probably like... Okay, so uh, here's a weird question. But how... What was the quality of the coffee? Was it good coffee, bad coffee? Compared to what Navy coffee is when you're out at sea, it was delicious. <laughs> it was probably just like watered down. I, I should, I, no, I, I should probably, you know, Navy coffee out at sea, um, it has diesel oil in it. What? Yeah, yeah. This is, this For is, real? This is, the, this is a real thing, 100%. The, somehow, and I'm not an engineer, so I can't tell you why it happens. <laughs> you didn't operate the boilers. But <laughs> fuel oil finds its way into the ship's water. And so, you know, you take a shower, you come out, you kind of smell like oil, you know, you're greasy. You drink this stuff, you know, and you can you can almost see fumes coming off of off the, off the drinking Would you be able now. to, like, use a lighter and light your no, coffee I, cup I, on fire? I tried. No. No? <laughs> Did you actually try? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. So coffee has a different taste. Okay. Yeah. And, and then they'll flavor it usually with a little bit of salt to kind of cut through some of that bitterness. So you so cut through the bitterness bit of the oil. With some salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that okay. So the Starbucks, if if people are listening, if Andrew Schultz is listening, <laughs> Andrew, listen, you need to come up with the flavor of coffee that's just navy. There you go, <laughs> the navy. There you go, <laughs> or call it like some sort of typical Starbucks name of like the anchor. You might you might have a hard time getting that past the Food and Drug Administration. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, we can get a lot. We can <laughs> we can get away with a lot these days. Well, <laughs> so. anyway, anyway, I go in. Sure. It's just, it's just you know coffee, and I'm drinking the coffee, and they're tr they're giving me their their sales pitch. Yeah, and they're going hard after you. Oh, you betcha they are. And you're <laughs> 17, 18. I am at this point. I'm 17. Okay. And. Uh, I had already, by this time, I'd moved, I had left my mom and moved in with, with, with dad. Okay. Yeah. Part of that is just me recognizing maybe subconsciously that I needed a fatherly a figure. A father. Right? Okay. And we can probably get to suddenly discovering I've got brothers and sisters and what that was like. We should probably get into that. Yeah. At some yeah. Point. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's, let's take a, let's take a pause break on your Navy stuff. Yeah. Let's, let's and do then that. let's get into that. So, so my mother mm -hmm. and her three brothers. Yes. Um, it didn't have you, their stepbrother, essentially, at that mm -hmm. time. I guess the, the most common way to describe you from my mom's perspective would be a stepbrother. Half-brother. 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 That's, mm -hmm. that's probably a better way to put yeah. it because stepbrother kind of you know, alludes to the step idea that... Stepbrother removes the blood connection. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we gotcha. were, we have the common father. So, so half-brother. Half okay, brother. so yeah. they, they grew up without a half-brother. Mm -hmm. And then when you're 14 years old, my mom is, I'm assuming, probably close to maybe eight nine years old uh, 10 maybe something ten. Like okay that, yeah. all right yeah yeah so then all of a sudden you get introduced into their life yeah they knew about me but did you know about them no not until <laughs> so it's not a very until that first meeting <laughs> so that's a very one-sided relationship oh, yeah, then. Yeah. okay yeah 
they knew about me. I didn't know about them. We hadn't met. Dad okay. finally gets his way into my life and and through the court case, <clears> all that stuff. The court case and everything, and there's some visitation, and I get to go meet my family, my the family that I never knew I had. Yeah. And so there they are, and we're leaving names out of this and so forth. So yeah. But uh, I meet them for the first time, and I've got uh, I've got suddenly just. Three new brothers ready, and a ready sister. Ready made, you know. I got. I have four si- four siblings ready made there, right there. And, and so, what was that like for you? Okay, so if I don't know if you have the memories for this, but what was it like meeting them for the first time? It was like. What was it like? It was. It was. It was. Hard to believe that they were family. Okay. I kept referring to dad as your dad. Oh, so you were, when you were talking with my mom and her siblings, yeah, yeah. you said, okay, I, your I kept, dad. I had this bad habit of saying, your dad said this, or your dad just did, th-, but it was oh, our dad. Oh, okay, and yeah. So that, they kept correcting me on that. So that's something that was interesting. But we, we got along well. The seed is strong. The seed is strong. <laughs> we got along well. There were some trying times after I moved in. Okay. Um, when I moved in... I I was used to sleeping in on a Saturday. I yeah. was used to nobody bothering me when I was sleeping in on a Saturday. Quiet house, that kind of stuff. And so I remember a couple of times waking up on a Saturday kind of grumpy because mm. everybody's doing things around the house and it's noisy. Time to, time and, to do chores. Yeah, and there's chores to do. And, and uh, I lost my patience a couple of times. Mm. Um, never came to blows. That's good. But it did come to a raised hand one time, which I felt really bad about for a long time after that. A raised hand in what way do you mean? A raised hand with a closed fist. From your siblings? From me to one of my siblings. Okay. And that, when it hit me, what had just transpired is like, whoa. It's full stop. It's like, this is, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a wrongness about this. And it... It immediately changed my demeanor towards people in general, where I was calmer to them. So that so that moment where <clears throat> where you were you were getting agitated, you were grumpy, you mm-hmm. were you know wrong side of the bed and on a Saturday morning, yep. all that stuff. That moment of raising your fist towards your sibling kind of was a springboard for you to treat people in a different way for the rest of your life. It had an immediate impact on me. Okay. So it, it scared me because I'm like, wow, I, I raised my hand to my brother. And I, if, I, if I hadn't stopped myself, I would have I hit him. You know? okay. And what would that have done to our relationship and, and so on oh, and so forth? And it's like, that makes Whoa, sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. I can't do that. I can't fly out the handle. So then you go join the military. <laughs> and then I go join the military. <laughs> so I don't want to. I, I don't want to jump into that just quite yet okay. because I do have some other questions. But um, so we should probably at some point talk about the relationship with the Mormon religion at this time. That's too. exactly what I was talking about. So so at that time when you come into the family, you're 14. Mm-hmm. You you move in with Grandpa and you know four brand new siblings. All Mormon. All Mormon, and so it's LDS. It's full fledged, bought in. They are hook, line, sinker LDS. Yeah. So you didn't grow up LDS. No, I did you not. Didn't, so did you grow up in any sort of religious affiliation? Yeah, there was a congregational church okay. that we went to. Gotcha. And 
every congregational church, every every church basically is different than every other church, even within a denomination. They've all got their own kind of flavor yeah, of things. Personality. Personality. And bishops yeah. and all that. Yeah. And and in the congregational churches, you've got some that are more religious and some that are more kind of liberal oriented. And that, this was a very liberal the pastor. I remember the pastor. You're, go, you're growing up in Seattle, bro. It's, it's Seattle, right? <laughs> and so it, it's no big deal if the pastor, you know, puts the Bible down and picks up a self-help book and starts preaching. You know, oh. so that kind of that kind of thing going on. So I, my religious, uh, it really wasn't very religious. It was kind of a, a very crunchy. Yeah. In fact, I was I was actually kind of interested in oh, okay. learning more about about Jesus and everything, the nature of God. And, sure. And, and, okay. Oh, okay. I was I was ripe pickings for the Mormons. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was low hanging fruit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you were one missionary <laughs> talk away from being dunked. It. You would you would think so. So, okay, so here's a question. Why didn't you? <sighs> well, it wasn't for lack of trying. Oh, I don't know this about yeah, you. Okay. It wasn't for lack of trying. Let's get into that. I'm curious. So, Dad, this is about the time I moved in. There was a missionary couple. They were an old, old married couple. They were the missionaries at the town at the time. Okay. And so, I, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but... I'm just trying to give context to people sure. who don't understand this whole process. Mm-hmm. People think of Mormon missionaries as young, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, name tags, bike they helmets, suits, ties. Yeah. But it actually can also include married couples who mm-hmm. are in their late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, who, at least 60s. Who, you know, yeah. do the home teaching mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff too. I mean, most people think of like the the Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Book of Mormon play, Broadway musical type of persona mm-hmm. that comes with Mormon missionaries, but it can also include Not always, older folks. Yeah. Okay. So the right. older folks, they sit me down and I think dad put them up to this, you know, hey, come talk to my son. You know, he's, you know. He's a temple worker. He's, he's yeah, he's, he's lost his way. He doesn't know. <laughs> he's know, lost he's, his he way. Ha- he has no idea about God or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, tra- what, what conversation transpired. I just know this this old couple, and and they're old. So I've got I'm like it's instilled in me to be respectful and not talk sure. back and don't argue with old people. And, and stuff you're 15, like that. 16 at this time. I'm 16, I guess. Okay. And so I'm listening, and they're op- they open the book and they're going through the slides and well, they, you know, and and talking about you know the uh, the talking points that they give to people that they're proselytizing, right? Gotcha. And I'm nodding my head and kind of being as agreeable as I can. Because you are you want to respect these I'm old folks. I'm respecting these old folks. <laughs> and there's, there's things that just don't quite click with me, but I don't really know how to, how to what were approach the, that what with were, them. What were those things? Oh, the... Don't worry about being offensive on my podcast. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, I listened to your podcast. <laughs> There's no worry about offenses. <laughs> no, some of the, the the nature of Christ bothered me. Uh, the nature of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all having their own bodies. Uh, the the three degree. Okay, not the yeah. three degrees of glory, but like the the um, full and separate beings. I, I had never I had never encountered anything that said that God the Father was a body of flesh and blood, flesh and bone. And Jesus was his and, own flesh and, and blood. And Jesus, and, yeah. And, and oh, so there, was, okay. there were things that didn't quite click. But then again, my upbringing religiously up to that point is... Self-help us. This, yeah, this, <laughs> this ultra-liberal Seattle <laughs> church. And so 
okay, sure, you know. And I and Dad was taking me to church. Okay. We had a cousin living with us for a while at that time. Okay. And he converted. Okay. And uh, there was a point where I almost converted. How close were you? We're on our second set of missionaries now. Okay. And Dad actually has them living in the basement. I, I've, I've heard many stories. <laughs> okay. These, these guys are after me also. Working on me, and, and I, and so I, they're your roommates that are trying to convert you to a just religion. About, yeah, just about. <laughs> nice guys, great guys. Sure, absolutely, great guys. And by this time, I'm I'm searching. I'm. You tell me if you tell me that if I pray about it, I'll get a burning in my bosom and all that stuff, and I'll know that it's the right thing. Like a pistol this burning whole, in this burning holy, in your bosom. This holy heartburn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Holy heartburn. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh, That's I'm, I'm surprised you haven't. Holy heartburn. Yeah. Get that Pepto-Bismol. It, it, it didn't, there was just this, this, this nagging feeling that this, there was, there was something else going on. So you were, you but were, I was, I was, I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid yet, but I was certainly sipping it. I'm so glad you're making that comparison to Jonestown. It's so <laughs> great. I, it, it, it makes me feel so good. Okay. okay. I'm definitely sipping the Kool-Aid. Okay. And I'm, I'm close enough at the point now where I'm starting to think about how I would break the news to my mom that mm. I'm going to go join the church. Oh, okay. Because I'm listening, I'm sitting in the church, and I'm listening to the conviction of people standing up and reciting their testimonies. And at this point, I don't recognize it as reciting. I'm thinking that they're pouring their heart out because that's what it looks like. It wasn't until later I realized they were all saying the same thing. <laughs> saying the same sentence, but the same but, saying the same sentence, but in different ways. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. And, but that's uh, how I always felt too. By the way, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm close. I'm very close, and uh, I've got a good friend of mine who's passed on now, but he was my best friend at the time, and he got involved in this other church, like a highly charismatic Pentecostal kind of thing, total sure. opposite. Sure. And he brought me to church one day. And I felt the Holy Spirit. You felt the Holy Heartburn. This was beyond the Holy Heartburn. Oh, this was okay. this was a spiritual connection kind of thing. Oh, that's on a, so cool! On a whole different level. And I I left the Mormon Church behind. Done. See ya. Peace. Done. Yeah. And and the missionaries still working on me. They're like, well, if you if you you know, it's, it's a we always called it Moroni ten four. Like it was the yep. CB. Like, like, like a CB call, right? Because yep. that was the 80s and CBs yeah. were popular. Yeah, no, Moroni 10-4, right? Yeah, Moroni 10-4. So they were 10-4. always throwing that, it's what, it's, it's three through five, right? But it, yep. they were always throwing that at me. And I'm like, yeah, well, I did search this out. I so, did pray this out. So for some context, and it's just, in the Book of Mormon, there is a book called the chapter, or the Book of Moroni, and in the Book of Moroni, in chapter 10, <clears throat> verse three through five, it says, you know, basically, if you have questions about this religion, if you have questions about what you've read so far in this book, and it's towards the end of the Book of Mormon, it basically says, pray about it, and then God will reveal to you the truthfulness of the work which you have currently read. Yeah. Basically, it's kind of one of those, like, try us out. Yeah, the catch to that, though, is, that if, you, is if you don't get that understanding, it's obviously because you haven't been really praying about it. That hard or intensely, right? So it's that, and they were coming back. Well, you got to pray harder. 
That's a really weird, it's a very interesting thing to have more missionaries say, pray about it, and you're like, all right, sounds good. Pray about it, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, hold on, you didn't do it correctly. Right. Well, no, okay, so I'll try again. Wait, you actually, well, come to find out, you didn't pray hard enough. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those weird... It's not unique to Mormons either. I mean, there's other Christian faiths of, of all denominations that will say, well, you just need to have more faith. And, yeah. and so I don't I don't fault them for it. They be, I, they believe what what they're what they're saying. I really believe that they believe what they believe. They believe is what they believe. Gotcha. So There's a lot of believies. Yeah, in there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I follow. <clears throat> I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you go into this Pentecostal type of super charismatic, uh, which eventually went down a strange road of its own. And we'll get there. Okay. Okay. So you get to this spot where you basically have to tell the missionaries, hey, no. I'm not yeah, interested. I've, I shined him off, and at that time I stopped going to the Mormon church. Dad honored my commitment to you know he's he stopped taking me to church on Sundays with the rest of the Mormon kids, and uh, I went and did my own thing. There was a church in the town that was a kind of a Pentecostal thing. It wasn't the same cool. as the as the as the other church, but it was it was close by, and they had their own services and and their own thing. And people are, you know, I go in, people are yammering away in strange tongues and everything. And Whoa! Oh, yeah, it was... Whoa! Dude, okay, so I don't want to jump too and get too tangential, but the, the power of, of speaking in tongues to me has always been, and I'm going to be just completely honest, hilarious and to me. And to me, it's elusive. <laughs> I've never picked that up. You've never picked up the, the never, gift of speaking I've in tongues. I've never picked up the gift of speaking in tongues, to my knowledge. So, okay, so here's a weird question, and you can answer this however you wish. When, okay, so a two-part question. Have you ever been in a meeting in which people have that spiritual emotion to the point where they're speaking in tongues? I have. It was in a prayer setting. Okay. Um, That that first Pentecostal church that I went to with, with my friend, they would be singing in tongues, they singing would, in tongues, they would do the whole praise the worship service. They'd all, if the whole congregation is all in these different babble of tongues and so forth, like in tune with the music that's actually in tune being with the music, played. singing oh, along, okay. yeah, but in like thousands of different languages, and it was it was kind of weird. Um, so okay, so that was going to be my next question: was what did you think about it? Yeah, growing up in the very liturgical kind of everything by the book, sure. Everything's done a certain way, and then go into this chaotic scene. Mm-hmm. That was a bit too much for me. Gotcha. Yeah, that was. It's it's cool for those that are that are that are cool with it. It was a little bit too uh, tangential, I guess, for me. But okay, uh, I found I found a church with a happy medium. They were they were spirit filled, and they believed in the gifts of the tongues and everything. But they didn't actually go out of control with it. Okay. So. They're not holding snakes and rolling down the hallway. Right. <laughs> Drink, <laughs> drinking strict nine or <clears throat> wearing Nikes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot more mellow. Okay. But uh, yeah, Dad honored that that uh, decision, and uh, in a remarkably graceful way. You know, no mm-hmm. uh, no shame involved or anything, and, and uh, yeah, so that he was really really surprisingly cool. About so me you're, rejecting his You were religion. surprised by his uh, yeah. attitude towards you choosing something other than Mormonism. Oh, yeah. Wow. My mom would have got upset if I had denied her religion. So what Dad we, is just like, just like blew it off. Okay, son, you made your decision. And your mom was basically 
And she, okay, so your mom grew up, or not grew up, but um, your mom was a, a member of this Pentecostal, super no, liberal. No, she would, well, not that the. I don't want to confuse the Pentecostal with the super liberal church. Okay, gotcha. Different churches. There's the liberal church. I mean, the program stated what was going to happen and what order was going to happen. Sure. The pastor never went over 20 minutes in his sermon ever. Oh, that's great. Um, oh, that my part, God. I'm that so, part was actually pretty cool. I'm so jealous, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only good thing I could say about that guy, actually. <laughs> But uh, no, it's but he would he would yeah. There, Jesus just wasn't in, really in that church. Okay, it was a Christian church, but there wasn't a lot of Jesus going on. Not a lot of Jesus going on in church. And this was this was in the seventies when you still had the Jesus movement, you know, with the hippies and everything still kind of going on, you know. So. Yeah, remnants of the acid trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you go through this whole process of finding a new family, finding four more siblings that you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your dad that you only kind of really only knew starting at age 14. Right. Which is kind of cool in a way because Joseph Smith had his first vision when he was 14. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. So you're basically Joseph Smith. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've been called a lot of things before, never that. (laughs) Well, there you go. You can start your own church now. Yeah. Um, But basically, so, uh, okay, so you, I'm just making sure that I track. Mm Mm-hmm. You go through all those things. Um, you're 14. Uh, you go through the the missionary discussions with the old folks, the missionary discussions with the young folks. Mm-hmm. You get through. You're not about it, and you ditch religion or you ditch Mormonism completely. You go into the Pentecostal stuff. They're speaking in tongues, and then you have free coffee and get into the Navy. Yeah. So, I want to start. I want to go from there now. So you okay. you were a, you're a career Navy guy. I did 21 years in the Navy. 21. Mm-hmm. And what was your position within the Navy? My position, my, my rank, or your, what did I do? What did you do, your rank, okay, all that stuff? Well, I was, I was a weatherman. You were a weatherman in the Navy. Weatherman and the Navy. what's so, I remember t- asking you what you did in the Navy one mm-hmm. time. I, I was a little kid, and you said, oh, I was a weatherman. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you remember this. I was little. Okay. Little kid. I think you came over, this is when you were still living in Rhode Island, um, and you came over with your sea kayak. And we okay. lived in the brown and white trailer. I had just retired. Okay, so you had just retired from the Navy. And I remember mom telling me, your Uncle Dave is coming over. Do you mind if I use your name? Is that okay? No, my name is fine. Okay, so Uncle Dave's coming over. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I had never really known you, uh-huh. right, because of the affiliation. And, you know, obviously you were super busy with the, with the Navy yeah, <laughs> with the yeah. Navy and everything else too. And I remember asking you what you did in the Navy, and you said weatherman. Uh-huh. And I immediately opened up the blinds, and I said, what kind of clouds are those? <laughs> <laughs> and I probably told you. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what they were <laughs> at that either. time because, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous weather in Montana that changes every five minutes. So you're a weather guy, which is extremely important for the Navy. It is. It is. <clears throat> Did you have any sort of like interest in meteorology I, beforehand? When or? I was eight, my mom we were at, we were at some kind of a, a, a thrift bazaar or something like that. You know, a bunch of used stuff for sale. Sure. Um, for at some church somewhere, and um, I got this this book about weather geared towards kids. And it talked about clouds and fronts and systems and all that stuff. And it, there was a part of the book where it taught you how to make your own weather instruments out of, like, milk cartons and, and oh, it kind was of all kinds of crazy. Back like, of the comic book yeah, type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I 
started studying the weather maps in the paper, and uh, I built my own barometer out of a milk carton. And, oh, that's yeah, so cool. Just crazy stuff like, like, like that. I loved it, and I was good at it. And I, at one point, I was giving a better five-day forecast than the guy on TV. And you can bet I let everybody know about it, too, because <laughs> I'm a Williams. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so yep. the, the Navy, I, I go in for this free coffee, and they're giving me their sales pitch. Well, what do you like to do? What have you always wanted to do when you, when you get out of high school? And I thought, well, I've always kind of wanted to be a weatherman, but I can't get into college. And they're like, well, you don't need to. We'll make you a weatherman. Yeah. So now they've got my interest. Yeah. And so they, they, they show me how I can be a weatherman. I'm like, wow, okay. I might actually be able to do this? You're kidding me. So I had to take the, the ASVAB test. Mm-hmm. I've heard of like it. It's like the SAT, but it's, it's the military's version. And I mentioned, you know, I was a senior for an extra semester. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't, yeah. wasn't the brightest color crayon in the box, right? And so at least I didn't think I was. I always thought that I had trouble learning and stuff like that. Was that something, was the weather something that you continued to like be interested in throughout high school? I was always interested in it. Okay. People stopped taking bets against me about the weather. Okay. So you were actually trying to make money? Oh, I I would, I would bet. Hey, I'm a, I remember, I remember there was this guy, it was, uh, it was the, uh, the first frost of the, of the winter. And I told this guy, it's going to snow within a week. He says, no way. So I bet you five dollars. So he bet me, and about three days later, it snowed. And so, yeah, it, eventually people learn don't don't bet on the weather against this guy because he's gonna be right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, so I, I had this interest, and I had a natural knack for it that I didn't know about yet. But I thought there's no way I'll ever do this. Okay. Because, you know, what college is going to take me? I get I get these of your bad grades. grades. Yeah, yeah, terrible okay. grades. At one point, uh, just to give you a metric of how bad my grades were, twice in my junior year, my grade point was 0.75. 0.75. Grade point average. Yes. All right. Okay. So, <clears throat> not bragging, but just to give you an idea. Yeah, that's nothing to brag about, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe at the time I thought might have thought it was cool. Hey, look how low I got. But uh, uh, yeah, so I was I was on track to be a loser. Sure. And they gave me this test. Oh, I gotta take this test. Well, this isn't this isn't gonna take long. I had a second grade math effort, or math level when I you could, were I seventeen. Could, yeah, I I could uh, with, without a calculator, just give me a piece of paper and work out the math problems. I'm at a second grade level. To graduate high school, well, I'll, I'll get to that. So they set me down, and I've got this little geeky calculator watch on my wrist because <laughs> yeah. those were those were a thing back in the eighties. And uh, they set me down in this in this thing, and I've got all these different. There's there's no math questions, but there's questions like where they give you a picture with a bunch of gears. And one gear shows oh, the rotation. Which, which way does it spin? And yeah, 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 yeah. And and then these are all multiple choice and so forth. And this answer looks right to me. This answer looks right. You know, stuff like that. And I get done with this test, and they and they grade it, and they said, 
we think you're overqualified. We want you to be a nu- <laughs> we want you to be a nuclear electrician. <laughs> what? Seriously? Seriously. They wanted me to be a nuclear electrician. You had a math you had a second grade math level yes. and they said, "Hey, how about nuclear engineering?" Exactly. <laughs> so, did you just get lucky? I think part of it was luck. I think part of it was I recognize the right answer sometimes without knowing is the right why is the right answer okay and this is this has come back in my just career a lot good. too yeah this is what looks right so i'm going to go with this yeah and uh so yeah i, I basically i i smoked that test <laughs> it was the first <laughs> test i ever smoked That's and awesome. uh, and uh so i was adamant i didn't want to be a nuclear engineer uh, engineer i mean i i knew there was going to be math involved uh but I understood physics really well. Okay. And I'm great with physics until you start throwing numbers at me, and then I and it just <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> Which is funny because basically, like physics is numbers. Well, it's the relationships between different properties. Gotcha. Yeah. When yeah, yeah, you yeah. get exact, that's when you put in the numbers in. Yeah. Okay. So, but as long as you kind of fudge things and and you're sort of re- you're really good at guesstimating. Yes. Yes. Okay. Guesstimating is actually a, a, an official weatherman term. Which is yeah, that's what is exactly what I was going to say is like everybody is always upset at the weatherman. Mm-hmm. Weathermen and referees are always hated <laughs> in in the world because yeah. of just like ah well. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, they long story short I enlisted to go to weather school. Okay. How and long of a program is that? The first weather school is about three months. Okay. Uh, and that's basically where you're learning how to recognize what you see outside. Classroom or practical? Well, there, there's both. There's, there's classroom and then it goes into practical lab work, stuff like that. Okay. And uh, you, you recognize what's outside. You recognize the different kinds of clouds, all 27 of them. You, uh, you learn how to read a barometer. You learn how to... <laughs> You know, record all the readings from all the different kinds of instruments, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You start to think in temperatures and tenths of a degree. I mean, there's all yeah. these things that go on. And then later on in your career, once you're good at that and you've done it for a few years, you come back for a nine-month crash course in forecasting. And the best way I can explain that is a master's degree with all the extra stuff taken out all the important stuff condensed into this crash course okay so nine months of pure hell the fire the fire hose method yes just nine like months full of blown just, open yeah. your mouth let's get all the water in you yeah okay yeah it, it was intense it was it was difficult and frankly it sucked yeah but i came out of it and uh, you passed you qualified <laughs> all that stuff yeah you're yeah. overqualified yeah and and <laughs> teaching me public speaking. Oh. Here's this kid with a speech impediment who had to go to speech classes in grade school. See a uh, speech pathologist. Yeah. I had had a speech coach and everything telling me how to say the letter R, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Telling me to slow down my speech so I wouldn't stutter and stammer. I had a bad stammer for a while. And now I'm standing up in front of people, crowds of people sometimes, and giving them a weather discussion yeah, and making them believe that I know what I'm talking about. So, okay, 
How much of weather forecasting is just desperately trying to convince everybody that you're right? I could look you right in the eye and tell you a bold-faced <laughs> lie, and you would believe it. There you go. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's been a complaint across the board, regardless of who you yeah, are or where it, you're from. Is it like, the weatherman said it was going to be 75, but it's actually 69. I, I have blown forecasts so badly that I was ashamed to show my face, and somebody comes up and said, man, you hit that right on. <laughs> All because my delivery was good. Was good. That's so okay. So that that is actually a really amazing skill to have for people that I could don't be a politician. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I was going to say either politician or stand up comedian. <laughs> so you're able to basically convince people wholeheartedly and get it wrong, mm-hmm. and still have them come up to you and be like, "Dude, you nailed it." Yeah. Whoa! Not on a consistent basis, mind you, but often enough that it was often enough that it it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So so you're in the navy. You're doing the you're doing the weather forecasting thing. So so where did you progress as far as how? Okay. So here's a question: How far can a weatherman go in the navy? Hmm. How far can a weatherman go in the navy? I've been. In every ocean in the world, I've been on every continent except for Antarctica. Okay. I almost got to Antarctica, but there yeah. just wasn't a spot open for me. Um, I progressed up through the ranks, chief petty officer, and, and before I retired, I was the chief meteorologist at the Naval War College. I wh- was, where is that at again? That's in Newport, Rhode Island. Okay. That's where I actually retired from. Okay. Um, I was actually teaching, I taught a class to People, men who were going to be commanding officers of, of, of ships, I taught a weather class to them. So these are like these are like captains of ships. Captains, as in big dogs, as, as in, in big dogs, they are the ones who run their ship. They're gonna they're gonna go to their first command, the first as being commanding officer of a ship. Okay, and so they're going through this school, basically commanding officer school. Wow. And one of the things they got to do is go through my weather class. And you were teaching that. And I'm I'm an enlisted guy. Wow, and I'm teaching these officers weather, and they gotta they gotta listen to me, and they gotta they gotta pay attention, and yeah. So wow, that's so cool. How far can I go? I can go that far. Yeah. Okay. So you to the point where you're educating, and where I was educating, yeah. And I okay. did this with a with a high school diploma. I've never yeah. received any kind of a college degree with a high school diploma and a cup full of shitty coffee and a cup full of yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> still drink the coffee. There you go. I don't I don't put the diesel oil in it anymore. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. So when you're in the Navy, so what was life like in the Navy then? Because, I, I mean, I've never enlisted. I've never done any mm-hmm. sort of military service at all, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that some of the people that are listening have, but um, I'm completely ignorant to that sort of experience. So you are so you get in, you're, you're 17, you're 18 years old, you jump in, and what was the first <coughs> year like? being in the Navy. I'm assuming it's a lot of just like, you're a rookie, you know, a lot oh, yeah. of like, you get all, you, know. you get all the worst jobs. Yeah. The first thing, the first place they send you is to the galley where, you know, you're preparing food. Okay. Peeling potatoes. Okay. Peeling carrots, cracking eggs. Uh, I was on a ship that could carry 5,000 people. That's a lot of eggs to crack overnight for breakfast. Oh my God. <clears throat> yeah. So 
So yeah, you get all the you get all the worst jobs. Uh, mopping the floors, painting, removing paint, and then painting again, removing paint. Uh, <laughs> I've actually heard that. I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of uh, people say that like, yeah, go mop the deck when it's raining. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mop up the rain. Swab. Sorry. Swab, Sorry. Yeah. I apologize, Grandpa. You know you're in trouble when you have to go outside with a mop and, and mop up all the rain. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's raining. That you yeah. probably predicted. With, well, at that point, I, was, I wasn't up to the level of prediction. Yet. Oh, okay. I was up to the level of basically sticking your finger in the air, which way is the wind blowing. Gotcha. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you get all the worst jobs that nobody else wants. Okay. And then you kind of work your way up. Eventually, there's someone comes in who's junior to you, and now you can tell them to do the bad jobs. Oh, there you go. And you can do something that you want to do. There you go. And that's the motivation to move ahead and move up. And eventually, all you do is carry a coffee cup around. (laughs) So basically, uh, what I'm hearing is most of the armed forces is just a fraternity. It is. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of hazing. Oh, there's some hazing. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. So what's your worst hazing story? My worst hazing story. Or, or, so maybe not worst, but what is yeah. the most memorable? Crossing the equator. Okay. This is this is time honored tradition in the Navy. I am I am waiting for enlightenment. This is really interesting to me. They don't do it the same anymore. They've really come down, cracked down on on hazing because now hazing is one of those things that you're not supposed to do. And, oh you know, yeah, okay. People can get hurt, that kind of thing. Sure. But this was back in the eighties. And so when you cross the equator, you're entering the realm of King Neptune. And, and, ah, uh, yes, and if, you've yes. never, if you've never crossed the equator, then you're just a lowly polywog. Ah. The object is to become a trusted shellback. Shellback. Shellback, yes. So where does that reference come from? Uh, good question. You don't know? I don't exactly know. I'm going to Google it right now. There you go. But uh, so there, there's, a, there's, a, there's an init- initiation involved. And they basically, they, they pull you out of your rack at 2 in the morning or something like that. And, and uh, like I said, they do it a little bit different now. But back in those days, there weren't any women on board the ships. It was just, it was just an all-male crew. Okay. And uh, you had to put all your clothes on backwards because you're just a lowly polywog. You're kind of a backwards kind of person until <laughs> you're set straight, right? And so you put your, all your clothes on inside out with your underwear outside of your clothes. Okay. Right and you. Can't, oh my God! Okay, so you, I have I have a list of things right here. I I have uh, I don't I don't again I don't mean to interrupt, but it said polywog or shellback. The Navy's line crossing ceremony revealed. Ah, okay. Okay, so do you mind if I read through the the bullet points of this and sure. see how accurate it is? Okay. Yeah. So it says uh, each ship may, uh, might have their own traditions and nuances, but the fundamental structure goes something like this: Number one, King Neptune and his royal court. His queen, Davy Jones, the royal baby, and other dignitaries arrive to the ship the evening prior to the equator crossing. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. on track so far. Yeah, there would be a talent show, and <laughs> it'd be like a cross-dressing kind of thing. <laughs> really? Yes. There's, oh, there's, that's so there's cool. There's no women on these ships at this point, on, okay. on, on combatant ships. And so you get these guys would dress up as girls. Okay. And the one who wins the beauty contest gets to be the queen and gets to skip all of the hazing in the ceremony and just stand there next to King Neptune and look pretty. Okay. <laughs> that's so amazing. Okay, so then that's number one. Number two is polywogs entertain the royal court with a talent show. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, dancing, songs, skits, and poetry. 
count among the merriment. So that's what you said earlier. Uh-huh. After the show, Pollywogs receive a subpoena from Davy Jones to stand before the court the next day and answer to charges brought against them by the shellbacks, meaning the people who have already crossed the equator. Yeah. Okay, so what does that entail? Well, you have to get there first. Okay. And getting there is the process where they... they you want to jump on David's microphone really quick? Or do you, yes. you can jump onto this one, too. I can turn you up. <laughs> so Grandpa has some interjection It would here. have been even yeah, rougher yeah, in his day. Yeah, yeah, I'm his dad, so I <laughs> Okay, the polywog. Now, if you're on an LST and you're going across the equator, yeah, they take a shellback. They take the biggest, fattest gut of a shellback. The royal baby, yes. Yeah. The royal baby. And they... If you're lucky, they'll shave his belly, but generally they just leave Harry, and he's in a skirt, and he's got this bra full of coconuts or something. <laughs> okay. Different on his ship than on mine, but and it's a then, good story. Okay. And then he'll take the polywog, and then they just smear his belly with the most ugliest, rottenest stuff they could pull out of the kitchen, the garbage pail, <laughs> and everything mm-hmm. else. And then the shellback will take that's got the coconuts for the boobs and all this stuff, and he grabs the polywog by the ears and he <laughs> messes his face up in his big fat belly. Okay, slightly variation of that. Um, yeah, we had this thing called the royal baby, and instead of a skirt and a coconut bra, he had a great big diaper. But it would be the fattest guy on the ship. And he's oh got a big God. old belly. Okay. And he's got a, he's got a cherry in his belly. A cherry. A cherry. What do you mean by cherry? Like a like like an actual the, cherry. Like, like, like a maraschino where cherry. There's no pit. It's just like a like out of the out of the galley. You know, they've got a bottle of maraschino cherries. You and know? just like put it in his belly button or. In, well, he's got he's got garbage smeared all over his belly. <laughs> Slimy, greasy stuff. It's been waiting for this ceremony for about a week, sitting out in the oh, sun, rotting, gross. And so it's all over his belly, and there's some lard mixed in. He's all greased up, and so he'll grab you. And he'll grab you by the ears and rub your face in his belly. If you can pluck that cherry out of his belly button, your initiation is over. So is he preventing you? Oh well, he's he's just rubbing your face in his belly. You got oh, and you, gotta you have to be, be the lucky one lucky enough to catch it with your teeth while he's doing that. And if you can come oh out with God. that cherry in your mouth, then then you're in. Then you're in. You're a shellback. You're a shellback. The initiation Whoa. is done. Okay, so that's uh, okay. That wasn't me. You didn't get the cherry. No, I did not get the cherry. So what happened to you then? They, uh, well, they got me out of my rack about 2.30 in the morning or something like that. Got me dressed. Everything's on backwards, right? And uh, I knew I was going to be on my hands and knees all day. I already knew that because you're not supposed to stand. You've got to crawl everywhere you go. Wait, okay, so hold on. So <laughs> so you're you're crawling on your hands and knees crawling on my everywhere hands and you knees, go. And they're, and they're leading me around. The shellbacks are leading me around. I'm Do you have a leash or no, you're just I didn't following have a leash. them? I'm following them. If I don't follow them, they're going to whack me with a shillelagh. Oh, my God. They've got it. They, they, so they, they have the quarterstaff, essentially. They, no, they, it was a three-foot length of, of cotton-wrapped fire hose. Oh, my God. Yeah. That would hurt it like hell. Hurt. It doesn't hurt you in a permanent way, but it but sure it's not sti- fun. It stings. Yeah. It's not fun. Yeah. Okay, so if you don't crawl around on your hands and knees, you, you disobey, are... You disobey, you get a whack with a shillelagh, yeah. Oh, my God. They okay. don't do this anymore. I should okay. d- d- disclaimer, but this, back in yeah. the 80s, back it was, in the 80s, it was this is what it was. no holes okay. barred, yeah. 
So after, this is what it says right here, number four, after breakfast, which is made too spicy for the pollywogs to eat. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, okay, so tell me about that. So they make you you breakfast, and they just load it up with, like, paprika or something? It's just nasty stuff. I mean, breakfast in the Navy underway isn't the prettiest thing you've ever seen anyway. You get used to eating eggs with a strange color of grayish green to them and (laughs) (laughs) sausage patties that are overcooked and... yeah. So, yeah, yeah, this... Uh, Made by the people who are just in their first week. Yeah, who don't really give a crap. They don't want to be there, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so breakfast was especially tough uh, to get through. Okay. I can't remember the details of it. Sure, sure. <clears throat> um, but they lead you around, and eventually you've got to get up to the real court. Well, to get there, you've got to... This is... Uh, I was on an aircraft carrier size ship. And they're up in the flight deck, and you've got to go up this ramp and across the and basically around the flight deck. You're in this long line. There's there's like thousands of people in this line. Because this aircraft carrier can hold five thousand about five thousand people, sailors and marines both. Yeah, because you're basically the taxi to and from. This is this is basically a marine taxi. Yeah, we've it's a it's a carrier outfitted to move a large number of Marines <laughs> to a place and put them there. <laughs> something that uh, something that my college distance coach told me, because yeah. he was a Navy guy. He did four years. Uh-huh. Um, and that's what he was talking about. Like he, I mean, basically, just as a quick anecdote, like anytime any of our athletes were injured, we would jump into the pool and he would run us through a pool workout, but Navy style. Okay. And it was, I mean, I'm, assu- I'm assuming you already know, it's just like water, Navy, trying to work out, and get something done fitness-wise, it's uh-huh. extremely tough. Yeah. So that's what he would say. is like, yeah, we would always make fun of the Marines because we would just be their taxis. Like, you need us for a ride, bro. Yeah, okay. pretty much, yeah. Gotcha. So we so we got we to gotta go basically do a circle around the hangar, the hangar deck, which is, you know. That has, like, the planes and the, yeah, all that stuff yeah, on them. Okay. But, it's, but, it's, but it's inside. Okay. It's all coated with this stuff called non-skid, which is basically a really tough – Tacky uh, paint, right? Tacky, yeah. It's it's sharp. It's yeah. it's meant to be for your boots to dig in, so you don't slip and fall and you know break something. So we're on our hands and knees on this stuff. Oh, so I'm prepared for this. I had a couple of flip flops that I had duct taped to my knees. <laughs> they were shredded before I ever got up to the flight deck. Just going around the hangar deck. How many times did you go around? One time, and then up a ramp to the flight deck, and then we had to go up to the bow of the flight deck, try and kind of turn around the bow, and then go all the way back to the aft end of the flight deck, and that's where the royal court was. And this I, royal court, royal meaning King Neptune, King Neptune, the queen, the queen who won the beauty pageant the night before, yeah, the royal baby. There's a royal surgeon. A royal surgeon. Yeah, he's got a syringe full of something that tastes really nasty that and he squirts in your mouth and. Oh my yeah, god! Oh yeah, there's all there's there's it's all you know just all these different titles of. So yeah, my knees were shredded by the time I got there. Everybody's knees were shredded. Yeah, you know you you you. Blow How are your hands? Are your hands just bloody. totally mangled? Bloody. bloody, bloody, really? Yeah, actually bloody. Yeah, but you what? go through it. You just do it because everybody else it. is doing it. Because they're whipping you, you with just, a shillelagh. You just toughen up and take it. Oh my god! Because everybody else is doing it. I'm not going to be the guy that stands up and says, I've had enough. <laughs> so you just do it. You don't do want to be it. that guy, yeah. You just do it. Holy and, cow. Yeah. That's and it's, so crazy. It's surprisingly 
easy to do it because everybody else is doing it too. I don't so even I just, don't even need to read the rest of this list because it's exactly what you've been said. You've already said everything on this yeah. list. So you get up there, and wow, and I and I get up there in front of King Neptune, and he says, "What are you?" I'm a codfish. Something like that. <laughs> I, basically, I'm a wog because that's what I'm. I'm far as I know, that's what he wants me to say. I'm a, I'm just a wog. Get back to the start of the line. So I had to go back to the end of the line there and go up through it again because I didn't say the right thing. Oh no! And then they get me up there and they and they dunk me in this. They have this garbage chute. Okay. And it's like I said, the garbage has been sitting out on the deck for a couple of weeks, waiting for this ceremony. Waiting for right? the ceremony. So I go through this garbage chute and it's and it's just full of just wet trash, Ugh. other people's puke. Oh I mean, all no! Kinds of st- oh, because it's nasty. Oh God! And if, if, it, uh, if you're one of the first ones through, it's not so bad. But after you know, get a couple thousand Marines puking in there, it gets pretty nasty. <laughs> and so, okay. So here's a question: um, Do they do they do this with the Marines that are on their first journey as well, yes, or is oh, it yes. just okay? So I was under yeah. the assumption that it was just the Navy guys that they put through. Marines too. Marines too. Oh yeah. Crossing the equator <clears throat> is cross the board armed forces ceremony. It's a big deal. Oh my yeah. God. So at the very end, I finally, I finally learned to say, when they said, what are you? I finally learned to say, I'm a shellback, which oh. was the right answer. And it's oh. like, okay, you're there done. There you go. And I took everything off. Yeah. I'm on the fantail of the ship. Somebody had set up this this pipe with water. Shower. Basically salt water coming salt out Salt water of it. shower. Yeah. And I just tore everything. This is a ship with all men, no, no female. So I just stripped down completely naked. Threw everything off the fantail of the ship because it's just it's just nasty. Yeah, got myself rinsed off in that shower. Walked butt naked back up to the the sleeping compartment where there's some real showers uh-huh. and real clothes. Took your shower, took, got some real a, clothes took on. Took a couple of real showers. <laughs> so how many times did you have to go back through the line in order to get the? I had to go back through it once. Oh, okay. By that time, I figured out what they wanted me to say. I'm, I'm a shellback. I'm a shellback. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I got through that. That was the toughest. That was the that was the toughest hazing. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's so great. That is a <laughs> that is <laughs> that is prime. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm and I wore it with with pride today. I am proud to say that I went through it at a time when it was unrestricted. Yeah. Where it's not not so PC. The last time I went across the line, I was a shellback, and everything was PC. We had females on board the ship. Sure. So the dress code was obviously a lot different. Okay. The beauty pageant was a whole different kind of thing. So they changed it in order to kind of cater towards the other gender as well, or? Cater towards the other gender and not be offensive to anybody. There was no garbage shoot anymore, because that might, you know upset somebody's delicate sensibilities okay so they so, so i'm assuming that, that now that you feel and again like i always say i, I don't i don't mean to interrupt but i just i'm so curious about all this <laughs> <laughs> this is like the juiciest thing ever so um i'm assuming that now you don't feel as though the new protocol about or the new ceremony crossing the equator is as memorable or or whatever i don't want to put words in your mouth they actually complained Oh. The wogs actually complained that they weren't getting beat up enough. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It was that gentle. Yeah. Oh my god. They actually complained that it was it was it felt sissy to them. Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's insane. 
Holy, holy cow, dude. That is so cool. That is so cool. But yeah, that that was that was that that was the the toughest kind of initiation kind of thing that one that I ever had to deal with. Yeah, the chief petty officer initiation would come in second, and that was basically a building of trust kind of thing, and it was only only lasted for a night. And what did that entail? I I I don't. I'm I'm not asking you to go into the full detail. That one that one is a little bit more secretive. Just in case oh, somebody who can you can you divulge that information? I, I could, but I, they wouldn't appreciate it. Oh, okay. Basically, it's just say trust building exercises. So you're involving doing a, involving blindfolds and and things that can hurt you if your trust is misplaced. That kind of thing. So you're like shoving your head into like a torpedo canal, and <laughs> I remember well, something like that. I remember there was this. There was a. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. I'll okay. tell you one thing. There's uh, what there's can a, you divulge? Whatever you're willing to divulge, I'm gonna be. I'm walking, just gonna eat up. Walking the plank. You, you had heard, to walk you, the plank. You've heard the term "walking the plank." This particular plank was set between a couple of seahorses, and okay, and it was lined with mouse traps. I'm assuming you're barefoot. You're bare. Well, you're in your socks. Okay, yeah. so we might as well be barefoot. And you got all these mouse traps, and you're watching them set all the mouse traps, right? And then. It's your turn to go up there, and you don't get to see the last guy who goes up. Yeah. So you don't know how this works, but they blindfold you, and you got to walk across this. Well, there's somebody telling you where to put your foot. And you have to build that trust. You have to trust them. Now, what you didn't see was while they were blindfolding you, someone was very quietly undoing all the mousetraps. And so that you wouldn't actually hurt yourself if you misplaced your foot. Oh. But you're not aware of that, see. Oh, so okay. there's other exercises, too, all of them designed to build trust. Gotcha. So it was, it was an unpleasant thing, but it was also kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And you really, you really did develop trust in the other chiefs that were putting you through that initiation. So and I'm assuming that since you had like achieved your shellback status... That you were all about jumping into. I was the all about any kind of initiation at that point. Oh, yeah. that's so cool! Yeah. <laughs> You're all about it because <laughs> it, it becomes a badge of honor. Sure, yeah, sure, it really does. Yeah, I'm, there there were some other initiations that I had wished I'd gone through, like the blue nose when you cross the uh, the Arctic Circle. I never went through that one. The blue nose. Yeah. Oh, I wish. I mean. I don't want to have this, this entire episode just be Navy initiation <laughs> stories, but no, there's um, there's some there's some more polygamous stories coming up. Yeah, you know, yeah. But, uh, um, you know, growing up on the outside of the religion. Yeah, we can get back into that. Actually, its, yeah, had its 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 moments. You know, I talked about uh, leaving the Mormonism thing behind and God, uh, Dad honoring that and everything. It's really funny that you like <laughs> corrected yourself by saying well, God. I mean, Dad. Y- hey, this guy. <laughs> This guy right here, my dad, I tell you. you (laughs) Okay, this is a fact. Okay. I dare you to counter it. Chuck Norris, to this day, has never agreed to step in the ring with dad. (laughs) (laughs) You are correct. Okay, so. You are correct. That's never happened. There you go. Okay. No, my dad. Uh, yeah, he he might as well be God. Uh, yeah. I actually almost drowned once because I didn't want to disappoint him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait. What? Yeah. My swim test in boot camp, as a matter of fact, I couldn't swim. Okay. I could propel myself across the water on my back. 
I practiced this. I knew I could do it. I could propel myself in my back. And all I had to do was get make one lap. I had to float for five minutes and make a lap around this Olympic-sized swimming pool to pass. Okay, I, I practiced. I can do that as long as I'm on my back, spreading my my weight out on the surface tension of the water. Kind of doing a little I'm, bit of a resting backstroke. I'm kind so of. skinny yeah. that I need help to cast a shadow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's, there's, there's no body fat on me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Toss so, in the river. We cut to this, get, get to the swim test, and it's all orderly. Yeah. There are guys are jumping off this 20-foot tower into the water, and they have to move over and tread water in, these line, in, in formation, in these lines. They can't get up on their back. They've got to tread water. I can't tread water. Yeah. Okay, well, I know there's the shallow end of the pool at the other end. <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to jump and I'm just going to go for the shallow end. Yeah. I'm going to fail this swim test, mm-hmm. but I know that if I fail it, I'll go to the remedial swim lessons and they don't care how you get around the pool as long as you get around the pool. So I know I, I can eventually pass it. Yeah. But I don't want to let this guy <laughs> know that I failed boot camp. The swim test in the Navy boot camp. I don't, I don't, I am more scared of letting my dad down (laughs) than I am of drowning. So I get up on that tower and I jump. 20 foot. 20 foot tower. High dive. 20, yep. And I jump feet first, feet feet first. And you go down to the water. You got to hold your arms across like this. Yeah. Hands on the shoulders. And I go right to the bottom of the pool and I do my very best to get to the shallow end on the bottom of the pool. So you're swimming underneath the surface I'm of the water. Swimming. I'm kind of moving myself and walking at the same time, trying to get to the shallow end before, before I run out of air. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm having a hard time getting there because the divers keep pushing me back. And there's these safety divers, by the way, probably yeah. seals, who knows. They're pushing me back in the deep end, pointing up, trying to get me to go tread hey. water with the hey. guys who can swim. <laughs> you have lungs. The <laughs> air is up there. <laughs> so finally they pull me out of the water, and I'm all sputtering, <coughs> coughing, and everything else. And they say, go get in line with the non-swimmers Ugh. and so I went and I got in the first line I went to and it was the wrong line and I passed my swim test <laughs> it was the wrong line <laughs> it was the wrong line and I passed <laughs> but I tell that story just to say the importance of this man I didn't want to yeah. let him down yeah. I want to jump off that off that diving board even if it kills me yeah, yeah. wow that's so crazy <laughs> So we, I wanted to jump back into the polygamy thing yeah. too because um, you have – so the perception of um, grandpa is working at the temple. He's doing all this stuff. Um, and then the, the news breaks that we are converting to polygamy. The news didn't break to me. Real? Okay. It didn't break to me. So I went Navy. off. He was in the Navy. Okay. Yeah, I was in the Navy. Um, and I actually was getting married. Okay. I'd gone through my first four years. I went ahead and I re-enlisted, and I'd met this gal who was the, the mother of my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I, I married her, and we we moved all the stuff, and we, we were moving into base housing at our at our new location. And we've got the kitchen put together. The rest of the house is just, um, there's, nothing, there's nothing going on yet. Yeah. But we have the kitchen where we can, like, hang out and do stuff. Sure. And I call my dad just to talk, you know, that kind of stuff and tell him how I'm moving in and everything. And dad says, well, son, got something to tell you. I don't remember the exact <laughs> words, but not only did I have another stepmom, I had a stepbrother too, 
or a half brother too, because by this time, uh, Seth has already been born. Seth has already been born. So I got a stepmother and a half brother all in one phone call. <laughs> in and, one sentence, you got yeah, two. And, and I remember one of the one of the problems I had with Mormonism when it was being taught to me and so forth. Sure. Was how come you're not still polygamists? If because Joseph was, Smith was a polygamist, how come you're not still doing this? Why are you changing? Why are you being inconsistent? Yeah. That was one of the problems I had. Yeah. And my dad, and you know this, but the, your audience might not, he doesn't do anything halfway. That's exactly right. He jumps in both feet. Yep. And so when he finally, when he told me, and I think he was nervous about telling me because he waited so long to tell me. I mean, he had another <laughs> wife and a well, kid. I mean, first right? you have to court a woman, convince her to live polygamy, then marry her, then have a kid, which is, you know, probably a three-year process. Yeah. So yeah. this has been going on for a while. I knew that he had moved to Utah. Okay. That's, but that's just, that's, I didn't know any, about any of the polygamy stuff yet. Sure. It didn't surprise me. Huh. It didn't surprise it you didn't that Grandpa surpri- was going to jump it, into it polygamy? it made sense. Because you knew enough about Grandpa. Because I knew that <laughs> he would go all the way. Yeah, whole hog. Yeah. Wow. It didn't surprise me. That's so crazy. It surprised my brand new wife. <laughs> What family am I marrying into? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I find out that my two oldest brothers, who are both younger than me, sure. have done made this same kind of plunge. And, uh, yeah, so they got their multiple wives. Mm-hmm. And I'm, so having, wait, I'm having a hard time just dealing with one. Yeah, <laughs> that's something that I always say. Like when people, I mean, a, a ton of people have talked to me about doing this podcast and stuff too and talked about like, okay, so what do you believe? And I always say, like, I can't even keep one happy, let alone five. Yeah. Like, that's usually been my go-to answer. Um, So you are the oldest of grandfather's children, correct? Yes. Okay. I'm the prototype. You're the prototype. That's a great way to think about it. (laughs) 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 So two of your younger brothers jumped into polygamy. Yep. And everything else, too. Were you ever a part of, like, their wedding ceremonies? No. Or anything like that? No. I Did I, you want to, or was I that... I would have been fine with it. I'm, yeah. I'm always been kind of like a, you know, do your religion the way you do your religion. I mean, it's what religion is, right? And marriage, I've always believed, is a religious thing. Whatever your religious beliefs are, you should marry according to them, right? Yeah. Um, whatever they are. Yeah. And so I, I would have been cool with it. I would have been just fine with, you know... Being a a, a, a a groomsman or something like that, or, or whatever. Just involved. Just involved in whatever way. Um, no, I was never in any of them. Hmm. But I don't, I don't, I was also away in the Navy all the time doing things. So, I mean, it would have been difficult, especially with so many marriages going on all of a sudden. It would yeah. have been difficult to like <laughs> keep track and <clears throat> ask yeah, for well, leave and all that. You came when you married her, but not when you married her, you know? So, <laughs> you're like, I don't want to be a part of any of it. What's that? Has he told you about his almost Filipino wife? <laughs> no, I have not. N- not yet. If you're okay with talking about that, that then if you're if you're okay with talking about it, then we can go into it. I'm if, okay with talking about If you that. don't want to, that's really fine. No, you don't have to talk about that. <laughs> 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 you, got, you got to daddy's son to talk about that one. <laughs> no, but... It, uh, uh, yeah, so so that kind of that kind of came on very very suddenly, 
and I was not critical of dad in any way. Jumping into polygamy. Yeah, in fact, it made sense to me that he would Mm -hmm. because he doesn't do anything halfway. But I think he thought that I would be critical of him. Oh, okay. I suspect that. I don't know what he was thinking at the time, and I don't know if he knows now what he was thinking at the time, but it all came as a big surprise to me. Okay. And though, and so he marries the one, and then a little, about, a little bit later he marries the next one, and now he's got three wives, and the, the number of siblings is, is growing uh, yeah. accordingly, and my brothers are getting more wives, and yeah. and wow, this, is, this thing's just blossoming. And it'd be... It'd I be have a, a huge family. Yeah. <laughs> It would come up in conversations sometimes. With you and, like, your friends? or With me and my friends. Okay. Uh, or, you know, shipmates in the Navy or whatever. I'd be talking about family or whatever and my brother or my, or I mentioned my sister or something like that. And they say, oh, is that the brother who was, do- no, that's a different brother. <laughs> you were and doing then, polygonometry. And, sudden, and suddenly I, I, people are starting to make the connection that this guy's got more than, you know, two or three siblings. And they start from asking, various mothers, and they and yeah, 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 and so they they start asking, well, how many brothers and sisters do you have, you know? And, and I got to stop and think about it, you know. <laughs> do the count, and and because <laughs> it was it was always growing, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know now it's now when somebody asks, and I just say, well, I've got I've got six sisters, and each one of them has seven brothers. <laughs> and I let them do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, people people will start asking, and you know, and I I I'd say, well, I've got I've got eight brothers and sisters, or I've got nine, or whatever the nice number's thirteen now, but whatever the number was, I'd say, well, there's so many. Yeah, and they say, oh, your poor mom. Right. Like, no, well. mom only had one. You know, <laughs> just me. So you, your perception of what polygamy means and the way that you kind of divulge that information is actually super interesting because you are an only child, uh-huh. literally. Literally. But at the same time, you also have a ton of siblings. A ton of siblings. <laughs> From yeah. various mothers in their own iterations and everything else. And I was always the religious outsider. Yeah. Through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's so cool to think about for me because of like, I mean, I'm, I can only look through my own lens, obviously, as far as like how I feel about the big question of God and, and, mm-hmm. and everything else. But um, I had always known that about you. That's something that my mom always like said about like Uncle Dave is that, you know, he was, he's, he doesn't live polygamy, but he just, he does his own thing with, with God and stuff. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh, cool. He plays bass guitar. That's great. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that's awesome. So, um yeah, it's a really interesting thing to to divulge to your buddies on deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my dad's got three wives. At the same time? Well, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go around, you know, bringing that up in conversations, but it would it would find its way in a conversation. They would start asking questions. Like, How can you have so many brothers and sisters, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it would eventually, and I, I didn't hide it. I was always transparent. I've always been very, very an open book to people, you know. Yeah. This is, this is my life, and this is, this is what it's all about. And yeah. This, my family, yeah. What family doesn't have a few quirks, right? And you so know, my family just right. is quirky in this particular way. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's kind of something that I've hearkened back to with various folks talking about, like, how, you know, my family history works and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um it's kind of one of those weird common grounds, like that idea of like, oh yeah, every, every family has their quirks. 
and and they're interesting things and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but then when you drop the polygamy bomb, as I say, yeah. uh, to folks, it's like, oh wait, really? Yeah. What? The TV shows? It's like, yeah. Or the most popular thing was, isn't that illegal? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the two questions that I usually get is like, isn't that illegal? That's the that's usually the first one, or yeah. the second one is like, oh, so do they have orgies? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that one too. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not in the bedroom with them. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, we'll jump. We'll jump out of that. But um, yeah, wow, that's so cool, so interesting. Do you want to end it there? That's pretty much the end. Is it the end? Yeah, I think so. I have another question. Go for it. It's about the Navy. Okay. I know that, and I don't want to put you on the spot. And I know that you've, you've probably taken oaths and stuff like that. I've always been curious about military technology. Love military technology. Yeah. How much can you divulge about what you've seen? I have not been... Okay, I retired from the Navy 15 years ago, 15 and a half years ago. To this day, I have never seen anything come out in popular mechanics that has surprised me. Wow. So I've seen some really cool things. I've seen some things that probably wasn't supposed to see. I've been read in on things that I normally wouldn't be cleared for just so that I could participate from the weather side of things, planning and so forth. Okay. I've seen admirals with really bizarre ideas of how to improve technology and so forth and bring it forward into the 21st century and whatnot and have the opportunity to shoot them down when their expectations weren't realistic as far as weather was concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been. I part of my job at the War College was putting realistic weather into war games, and whenever and went, not the Matthew Broderick movie. No, no, <laughs> not the best, but surprisingly similar in how things play out. Sure. And so there's a lot of computerized stuff going on and so forth. So somebody has this great idea. Oh, I'm going to build an aircraft carrier that's a hovercraft at the same time and can go up on land. That actually was somebody's idea. And uh, <laughs> and so they would take these, these, these really bizarre ideas and they would, they would game them out and say, well, is this Talk practical? to some engineers. And yeah, well, put it, they would put it into a simulated war scenario. Oh. And can you, can you actually do this? Is this worth the billions of dollars we're going to pay for it or something like that? Yeah. And most of the time, something... The crazier it is, the more likely it wasn't going to actually happen. But, yeah. So I got to see some really weird, bizarre things. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh. So uh, expanding on that idea, what do you uh, foresee that scares you in regards to military technology? I know what some of our vulnerabilities are. Okay. And I know that if I know them, then our greatest enemies also know them. Uh, and that's about as much as I'm going to say on that. Okay. <laughs> that's a really sobering note to end on, it but is, let's do it that. Is, it is, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sitting down. That was amazing. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay.